0: Welcome to JoJo's World. Greetings and salutations, wanderers of the East and all West. Uh, we all know the East people are dead and the West people are alive or something like that. Some, Something like that. Maybe it's the other way around. I'm Liam S. Smith, one of your co-hosts. And I'm Nick Ballantyne, the other one of the co-hosts. Today we watch episode... Come on, Liam, you got this. 54 of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. <laughs> there it is. The 28th episode of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure Part 3 Stardust Crusaders and the 4th episode of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure Stardust Crusaders Battle in Egypt. Oh, <sighs> We got there. It covers chapters 193 through 195 of the manga. That tracks, that tracks. Yeah. That's three chapters. Most of chapter 195, to be fair. Ooh. Well, well, well. Well, well, well. Leaving on a cliffhanger. Look what the cat threw up. I believe he's a dog, but okay. Anyway, so everyone's <laughs> in hospital seeing their friends Avdol and Kakuin. Kakuin is blind. Wow, how's your neck wound, Avdol? And he's like... Oh, my neck's fine. I'm just worried about Kakuyin's eyesight. <laughs> Scratched up your eyes pretty bad, there, Kakuyin. Kakuyin from behind, like bang. Nick, we eyes. have to, we have to go back. Oh no! What have we missed? We forgot to do words from our friend and yours. Author of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, oh. Hirohiko Araki. Oh, hey! No, we couldn't forget that. That is, that's just being. We bad We couldn't, plans. and we didn't. Good. This <laughs> is from volume 20 of Jojo's Adventure, Part 3 Stylus Crusaders. Mm-hmm. In the early 1980s, I lived in Sendai. Back then I used to send photocopies of my corrected manuscript to my publisher by postal mail. One photocopy cost me 40 yen, about 40 cents, per page. After the publisher received it, I'd have to talk to them on the phone and discuss it. After a while this became a pain, so I moved to Tokyo by myself. Now faxes and colour copiers are much better than they were back then. If they'd been available back in the day, I doubt I would have moved to Tokyo. Lately, I'm really seeing how times have changed. Hirohiko Araki, 1990. 1990? Yeah. God damn. That was a while ago. Well, speaking of how times have changed, he mentioned a fax machine. <laughs> <laughs> Things have gotten a lot better recently, uh, in the sense that we no longer use fax Yeah, machines. what's your favourite memory about fax machines, Nick? Oh, there are so few. Um, I think my favourite one is that I never used one. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't have to dial. I up never a used one, nor learnt how to use one. Yeah. Because we have computers that can do that now. Actually, did I ever tell you about the time I had to sit an did exam? Did I ever tell you about the time? I tell you, back I in my day, I had to sit an exam about fax machines. <laughs> it wasn't about fax. Well, almost. Um, I had to sit an exam in Melbourne, but the lecturer wouldn't allow me to have like a delayed. Wait. Okay. So the lecturer wasn't letting me do like a delayed exam or a deferred exam. So I had to sit this exam in Melbourne. But in order to get the exam across, they don't let you just like email it or anything. You have to fax it. So they. Oh, you were going on holiday to Melbourne or something? No, I was covering um, the Penny Arcade Expo. Okay, so you were you were away in Melbourne. Yeah, yeah. Right. So I'm in Melbourne, and this guy's like, "Oh, well, you can't just defer the exam, even though I told him ten weeks in advance that I'd <laughs> be in Melbourne." So he was like, "Well, you can't do it in advance." I was like, "Can I just sit it in Melbourne?" He was like, "Yeah, that might work." It's like, "How is that easy?" Okay, whatever. So apparently, it's a lot easier to fax things interstate than it is to defer for, like, four days. Okay. Uh, Also, they don't allow you to email, like, a copy of it because then the other end has a copy, if that makes sense. Does that not happen with faxes? Well, with faxes, it's like you copy it in and it scans it and then one physical copy comes out the other side and that's the one they give to you. So you can still photocopy that but then it's inferior quality every single time, you know? So you don't get the original one and you can't modify it. What happens to the original Well, I mean, the guy keeps that. um... How is that different from scanning? (laughs) Well, no, if you scan it, you get a digital copy, right? Mm -hmm. But when you write it up originally on your computer, it's all digital and you can, like, rearrange things in Word and stuff. If you scan it, it's just an image. Can't you just send it as an image via Mm -hmm. email? Could. Or a PDF? But then, uh... uh, Yeah, I guess you could. Yeah. What I'm saying is this story doesn't (laughs) add (laughs) up. There is some weird... Nondescript fucking scanning happening And I want to know who's behind it Yeah It's me Anyway, as we were saying (laughs) uh, They're at the hospital They're just chilling Yeah Well, Avdol, your neck sure is hurt No, my neck's fine I'm more worried about Avdol's About Kakyoin's eyes Kakyoin's like No, my eyes are fine I was once really worried about this guy's eyes Because he got He got them smooshed by a baseball While he was playing baseball In middle school In middle Was it high school or middle school? Yeah, because he's in high school now yeah, true, yeah. Junior high, maybe? He was in junior high. It was Degrassi. Yeah. <laughs> they were the formative years. Jojo's Bizarre Avenger the Next Generation. <laughs> Ooh. Who knows? Maybe it could happen. I don't know. And this guy got his eyes smooshed in by a baseball, but it was just leaking fluid and he was fine in a couple of days. I should be ready to join you in a couple of days. Oh my god, that's... What? That's not good. <laughs> what will Kakuwing do while he's in the hospital for a couple of days? He can't even see. Will he play video games? He can't see. Can he see through uh, his stand? No, because when they went down into Joseph's head, they had to use the TV to see what they were doing. True. Ooh. So he can't even use his stand. Which is weird because there's a lot of like, um, reconnaissance type stuff he does with his stand. It's true. He does a lot of feeling though. That's That's true, yeah. Yeah. He could still feel things. Yeah. Unlike me. Is this why you're wearing- So everyone else leaves- is this why you're wearing an elf shirt? Because you don't feel you know, anything? It's not just an elf shirt. Sorry, a Gandalf <laughs> shirt. You. There's nothing wrong with elf. Okay, Gordon Shumway. I mean... From the planet Melmac. I, uh, there's a few things wrong with elf. One of the most popular characters of the 1990s? Yeah, but what 80s? is he? What, I mean, He's what, an alien. He's from Melmac. But what? As it, an icon, what is he? He was like a, a puppet who was rude. He had the chewed. Yeah, exactly. He was elf. Alien life form. <laughs> Which sounds a bit racist to call a guy whose name is Gordon, Alf, because he's an alien (laughs) life form. Hey, Alf. I told you not to call me that. I can say it. (laughs) I know a guy named Alf, okay? I can call him Alf. Not to be confused, of course, with popular alien and Game of Thrones actor, Alfie Allen. No, but he is also an alien. Let's be real here. We've seen his sister. He looks nothing like his sister. Lily Allen? Yeah. Uh, you know. It's kind of weird. And their father, Tim Allen. Ooh... Any other Allens that we can bring into this weird family tree? Uh, Alan Alder is also there. Alan Alder? Yeah. it's like, you're not in the family. Sure I can be. Anyway, this is dumb. They all leave the hospital and they're like, we're going to get on the Nile boats. <laughs> I was eating while I was watching this episode, so I didn't take any notes. <laughs> we're going to get on the Nile boats to get to... Oh, then the theme song happens. Oh, yeah, the theme yeah. song happens. You notice anything new? Um, well, after you told me last time that uh, it was all the, like, Egyptian god silhouettes, yep. I, was, I actually saw them this time. Was it that like Anubis-looking one? Yeah, and one that had, like, this wicked, um, what do you call them? The one... Scepter? No, no, not scepter. The thing that... Ankh? a um, rod? It's Kind of a rod. One of those shepherding things. That a has... crook? A crook? A shepherd's crook. The sort of thing when you're doing a bad improv show, someone yes. will reach onto stage and pull you off by the neck with. Exactly that. If I had one of those, I'd use it right now. Oop. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I saw one that had a shepherd's crook. Cruc- you saw the one that was just two guys and there was Oingo and Boingo, obviously. <laughs> they don't have a guy behind them, it's just those two. It's a silhouette. It's like, yeah, our stand tells the future. It's like, that's not a stand, guys. That's just a it- magical book. As we know, magic exists. See the stone mask. <laughs> Jesus Christ. That wasn't magic, that was just ununderstood science. What about the redstone of Asia? Look, that was magic, okay? (laughs) We all know that it can harness the power. Well, no, because it was just reflecting the power of the sun, wasn't it? Okay, uh, what about Hamon? Hamon was controlling your breath in such a way so as to synchronise the harmony of the universe. Makes perfect sense. Leaf magnetism. Exactly. uh, That thing where they reverse the polarities to to climb up that pillar and also kill ACDC. Do I need to even bother um, with evidence? What else is probably magic? <laughs> uh, I want to say everyone's ripped What abs. about that time that Ton Petty read the hammon in um, Zapelli's bod to predict his time of death? <laughs> oh, true. That might be a bit magic, actually. I'm, no. However, if it's harmonising with the universe or some shit then surely he is in sync with the universe. Yeah. So Tom Petty's just there like, don't worry, I know everything that's going to happen in the what next What about everything years. Joseph did? Everything that Joseph did was probably a little bit magic. Yeah. He's big into stage magicians. <laughs> remember I mean, how he beat up ACDC using sleight of hand and rope tricks? I remember how he managed to convince his audience, hang on, hang on, the trick's on its way, and then postponed his death by 30 days by just going, hang on, I've got a great trick you... up the sleeve. Oh, right. With, um... Yeah, with the rings. Yeah. Yeah. Good times. Yeah. Now t- tell me those weren't magic. Okay, the rings might have been a bit magic. Okay. Yeah. But! But! But, but there are no sorcerers. There are no hexes, and that's the important yeah. thing. Yeah, why are we arguing about magic again? Uh... That's a good question. Uh, this Because this conversation is a bit magical, isn't it? Oh, it's magical day. Ah, oh. So, they're getting on the Nile Boats. Get on the Nile. The bounce. narrator starts telling us about how the the Nile is the foundation of Egyptian... Knocked over my water bottle there. Uh, the foundation of Egyptian civilization and the Egyptians believed in separating the living and the dead. Oh no, this is Joseph, not the narrator. Uh, <laughs> we are doing so it, well, this is a bit This is a bit of a slapdash one, let's be real. <laughs> we start working, off poorly. Working more than usual this week, have less time, we've got to take what we can get. You've got a water bottle that's falling over. we got to get you a new water bottle. No, this is great. I mean, but it's falling over. I don't need to critique something that my cast can't... I think it's like knocking it over. Yeah, but then if you knock it, it shouldn't... Anyway, so tell me about the Nile. Yeah. So the ancient Egyptians believed that that they should separate the living and the dead on the Nile. So all structures on the, I think it was west side, are dedicated to the dead. Mm -hmm. And all the ones on the east are dedicated to the living. And Joseph is like, but our enemies don't care about that. Living, dead, they'll come from anywhere. (laughs) Watch out, I'm getting increasingly paranoid as we get closer to Egypt. Oh, I just remembered something else. Yep. When Kakiwin was talking about how he'll stay behind and catch up in a couple of days, Mm -hmm. he's like, there's less than 800 kilometres to go until we get to where Dio is. But that's that's a big distance, right? I mean, well, how many kilometres have we already traversed getting to Egypt? Like half the world. Yeah, so really 800 kilometres is nothing but for these guys. like, how big is 800 kilometres in terms of the length of Egypt? Actually, that's a good question. How kilometers. wide is Egypt? <laughs> Moreover, how do they know it's 800 kilometres? Because surely they would only know he's on the Nile. I think they're going to where they knew he was last, like where the Speedwagon Foundation guys were staking uh, it out. Um, yeah, true, that makes sense. Then, yeah. you know, figuring it out from there. Maybe you have to look up width of Egypt. I guess there is a lot of unhabitable desert there. Man, is there a lot of desert. The longest straight line distance in Egypt from north to south is 1,024 kilometres, while that from east to west measures 1,240 kilometres. What? That's what it says. So basically they've got the entirety of Egypt between them and Dio. <laughs> Only 800 kilometres to go. <laughs> They'll get him eventually. Or will they? Well, hang on. This is assuming that they go on the right line, right? So if we're going by area... Let's not split hairs on this. Oh, no, all right, fine. So they all get on this boat. It's great. No, they don't get on the boat yet because they're at Conombo. Uh, Conombo. The Temple of Conombo. Tell me about Conombo. Conombo or Ombos, or Latin Ambo and Ombi, is an agricultural town in Egypt famous for the Temple of Conombo. It was originally an Egyptian city called Nupt, meaning City of Gold. The Temple of Conombo is an unusual double temple. Double it's temple? A double temple, that that's a- what it says. What a double temple? Constructed in the Ptolemaic dynasty. Some additions to it were later made during the Roman period. Ah, here we go. The building is unique because of its double design, meaning that there were courts, halls, and sanctuaries, and rooms dedicated, oh, rooms duplicated for two sets of gods. Oh. The southern half of the temple was dedicated to the crocodile, crocodile god Sobek, mm. god of fertility and creator of the world, with Hathor and Khonsu. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, the northern part of the temple was dedicated to the falcon god Horus, also known as Horus the Elder. Ooh. so it was kind of like these two different it was a double of- temple <laughs> it was literally a double temple yeah you would go there for two different reasons as opposed to the more normal one <laughs> you would walk inside and be like man who do I want to praise today it's like the um, KFC Taco Bell of temples <laughs> <laughs> you don't fully know if you're in the mood for chicken well you know how like in Perth there's that oh, it's almost a mini food court but it, really what it is is one half of the restaurant is a KFC and the half is, the Mc- is a McDonald's <laughs> Wait, what? Where's this? In Perth. What, you mean in Carillion? No, on like, um, near, near the bus route. Near the bus route you go, Perth. you go north of the bus stop, up uh, that road, wherever that's called. And it's around, um, it's near the Hay Street Arcade. Is it? Yeah. Oh. Is it? Yep, there's that. There's half KFC, half This KFC. is not interesting to anyone, <laughs> even people who live in Perth. No, hang on. I'm sure someone out there is like, a double temple, a double restaurant. What is happening to the world? <laughs> Wait, no, I know the one you're talking about. Great. Yeah. <laughs> okay, we solved that. It's like a double thing. Oh, it's the one that's got Lord of the Fries next to it. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're right. This literally is not a doll. So yeah, that happens. They're around. Uh, meanwhile, there's this guy called Chaka, and he's walking down the road with his dad, two other guys <laughs> and a cow. And they're all like, wow, that Charka is such a wimp. What a loser. Even though he's clearly, like, the most buff one there. I knew that he was going to stick around when I was like, yeah, he's got muscles. That means he's probably going to live. He's, like, a muscular looking guy. He's got, like, a long ponytail. Yeah, like, very Egyptian-looking guy. Shocking. Yeah, he's... I assume they're his family, but the other two would just be guys. Uh, Yeah, probably. Just look like generic Jojo passerby jerks. (laughs) Typical vampires. Yep. Yeah. So they're all walking along. And, uh... You know, I'm just realising. Through... The events of this episode and the events of our banter, Ari, that manga artist who dies. Yeah. We're building a very good case for ancient Egypt being Japan. (laughs) Because they're walking along and they're all picking on Chaka and he's like, Oh, I should stand up for myself, but I'm so unconfident, even though I'm so buff. Even the cow's giving him shit. Yeah, cow shit. Oh, nice. And then he finds this ancient Egyptian katana on the ground. So it's a really weird looking sword. It looks like one of the millennium items from Yu-Gi-Oh! But a sword. Yeah, it's like really ordained. It's like a gold inlet inlaid hilt with one of those Egyptian eyes. It's got a massive sheath that is decorated quite nicely. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, it's got two rings to hang it off your belt like you're a samurai. A couple of rubies in there just for good measure. You've got to have rubies. You gotta if there's have rubies. anything in dual to us, it's that you've got to have rubies. <laughs> and also about the Egyptian glory gods. Glorious. that's what they're on the wikipedia page oh, for some reason Jesus, that better show up later yep. Oh, okay. so everyone's picking on Chaka and they're like Chaka what are you doing and he's like I found this sword and they're all give us that sword it's great we should give it to the police no if it's real it could be valuable but if it's a replica it could be worthless let's pull it out of the sheath oh I can't pull it out of the sheath let's all try really hard to pull it out of the sheath Chaka's like can I help and they're like no you suck so they all do, like, a tug-of-war on this thing. Yeah, and they we get a lot of close-ups on their straining faces. <laughs> yeah, like that. Thank you. And then they're like, oh, we couldn't do it. It didn't even budge. And then the one guy who was holding the hilt is like, and now my hands are all really cut up, like, by a sword, even though I was holding the hilt, and it didn't even come out of the hmm. sheath. That's strange, isn't it? That's fucked up. That is real weird. i ignoring the fact that this guy's just got his hands cut up real bad. is like, hey, can I try and pull the sword out? <laughs> Like, fuck off. Chaka, this is is why no one likes you. Like, you weak shitlord. Just, like, you know, help your associate who is having some problems. So what does Chaka do? He goes and picks up that sword. (sighs) And he's like... Of course he does. Huh, I pulled the sword out really easily. That's odd. Yeah. Huh. And then he's like, wow, this is a beautiful blade. It almost looks like it was Japanese. (laughs) It almost looks like it was folded. It's got a wet sheen. Over a thousand times. It's made of the finest Egyptian Hanzo steel. (laughs) glorious egyptian steel <laughs> <laughs> i think i've read some egyptian manga on the temple walls about swords like this you know they say that the ancient egyptian warriors used to make their own swords let's sit down to this authentic ancient egyptian meal of sushi <laughs> he's got this sword in his hands and he's just like man it's a beautiful and sword. his dad runs over and he's like no give me the sword and starts kind of reach over his back and get it and then the sword ever so slowly just sort of tips into his chest and stabs him. It's not even a very sudden motion. It's sort of like this, whoop, yep. and there I go. There I go killing <laughs> you. And so his dad has this sword sticking out of his chest and he falls down and he's like, Chaka, did you just kill me? I, uh, And now, I, I die. die. And he's, fr- the other the, the other guy who doesn't have his hands cut. He just comes in. He comes in and leans down and is like, wow, Chaka, you are really hurting you piece of shit. And then as he's leaning next to him, the sword just ever so slowly just... It's like a fucking Junji Ito moment, isn't it? Where it's like, oh, this couldn't possibly go any more wrong. <laughs> the sword just, just slowly tips and cuts through his head. You're like, whoop, oh, oh, whoop, there goes the sword, kill there him again. There goes the guy, and then Chaka hey. has the sword, and then um, Cut Hands guy is like, Chaka, you killed them. Chaka then starts hearing a voice in his head. Ooh, spooky. And the voice is like... I'm the stand that possesses the Anubis card, and Chaka's like, "What the hell are you talking about?" Now, unlike any normal person, who I don't would have throw any context away, for this. Yeah, normally you just throw the sword down and be like, "What the fuck, bro?" But he—he he keeps holding that sword. He takes to it, you know. And he's the like, sword starts talking to him, and it's like, "Chaka, you're a really good swordsman. <laughs> you're so cool, man. You're the best, Chaka. Kill yeah. Jotaro. kill Polaref, chop up Joseph." And he's like, "Who are those people?" I mean, cutting people up felt pretty good. Yeah, I and am a really good swordsman after all. I can kill, like, so well. I can kill so many polariffs. Oh my god, I'm the best. Then his, his whole demeanour changes and he gets this sort of smirk. And these, smirk. these cold eyes. Green lips, Yeah, flesh. That was quite a quite a change. Yeah. And then he's like, I want to kill you too now. And then he kills that other guy. He doesn't just kill that other guy though. So the other guy hides behind the beast of burden, aka the cow. Yeah. And he's like, you'll never get me behind this cow. I'm protected because then you have to kill it's the so cow. He's so loyal to me. Like you love this cow, right? Yeah. You're it, not going to do that. This cow was like a brother to you. So what does he do? He cuts through the cow, but not in the grisly way you're thinking. Oh. Because he sl- swings the sword through the cow. And the guy gets cut up real bad. And as he's dying, and I think he's literally being cut in half. Yeah, he got bisected. Yeah. As he's like, call. but the cow wasn't cut. He's got very good perception skills for... Half a man. A man being cut in half. <laughs> you know, you would say half a dude wouldn't be able to have, like, I don't know, the ability to talk. He's not even half the man Sharker is. is <laughs> a holman. You know what that means. He's twice the man that this guy is. At least. That was the same joke. But in a more awkward wording and longer, and again, <laughs> so that's great. You know, he can cut through things that he doesn't want to. And he sheathes his sword and he starts walking away, kind of like a badass, almost. Yeah, like a ancient Egyptian samurai. <laughs> <laughs> okay, look, it really is just a katana. They served. It is just a katana. It really I, is I can't just a katana. This enough. Like, it's, <laughs> it's got, got that same wavy blade pattern from the blade from the blade folding. Yeah, and it's got like a giant hilt, like most katana do. Yeah. Yep, it's. Just a katana. <laughs> um, That's so stupid, I love it. <laughs> you can just tell that at some point Araku was like, oh, I need a sword. Meanwhile, Polnareff's hungry. <laughs> He's hungry oh, in the most literal sense. We skipped over into the great hospital bit. What? Back at the start of the episode, as they're all leaving the hospital. Mm-hmm. First, there's a bit where Avdol helps Polnareff read uh, Arabic numerals. They figure out that the hospital is really expensive, and also Paul and Ref knows how to read a lot more Arabic numerals than I expected him to do. <laughs> Whereas like, "That's a four. Yeah. That's a five. That's a zero. What's this one? Uh, that's a six. That's a six. That one. Why it costs that much, etc. Um, so they're doing that, mm-hmm. and then they look outside, and the. Iggy's just sitting there chewing his gum as he does As he is to do Because mm-hmm. he's a dog, he loves gum Yeah, you know, like dogs do Yeah, coffee gum specifically And then all these all these, uh, these women These nurses and uh, administrative workers from the hospital Are crowded around him being like Look, a dog, he's chewing gum He's so cute He's so adorable Yeah With This big ugly head mm-hmm. And his oddly small body <laughs> His enormous ears He's a real American gentleman <laughs> You know, if there was a dog I could love, it would be that one. Yeah. And I do. And then Polnareff oh. comes on and out and is like, hey, ladies, you should watch out for this dog. He may seem cute, but he's bad business. He's bad barman. Arf. Iggy no. sort of really lazily looks at Polnareff and then in an almost very casual way leaps through the air. Onto Polnareff. As if it was no effort at all. Yeah. Onto Polarev's face again, and then we get another sequence of him chewing hair and farting. And all the ladies are like, "Ah, oh, so cute. So much farting. He's farting. Adorable. I can just tell you're like, wow, farting. Amazing. Isn't it just the highest form of comedy? Farting. Yeah. It's Animals funny. of farting wood. Hey, man. It's a fun little animal. He'll, he'll... So anyway, that happens, so now Polarev is hungry at the, the marketplace. Yes. And so Joseph gives him some of Iggy's coffee-flavored gum. It's like, just take this. It's fine. But this is gum. I can't eat that on an empty stomach. All right, well, just take it then. Yeah. I don't care. Anyway, I'm so off. this this guy wanders over to him. Oh. And he's like, Hey, man, you want to buy some papyrus? Papyrus. That's what they make paper out of. It's authentic. Oh. Yeah. Uh, well, what have you got to show me? This papyrus. Huh. This looks pretty old. Yeah. Yeah. It's authentic. Made by a real Egyptian craftsman. Uh. If I gave it, if he gave it to you for that little, my whole family would die. Draws finger across throat. <laughs> uh, I mean, this is a, uh, this is a fake, and tears. It. He does it, and half the guy screams. And finally, I was like, I'm good at being a tourist. Look, I know what you know. A real thing is, and this is not a real thing. Then we get sound cues and camera movement to imply something's moving rapidly through a crowd. <gasps> As Iggy runs along, leaps through the air with a glint in his eye, grabs all that sweet, sweet coffee gum, which is probably quite bitter. <laughs> And then he starts chewing away on it. Runs off through the crowd. Polaref chases him and is drawn away from the marketplace to the temple. the temple of Konombo Which, as we all know, is a double temple. <laughs> it's like a double entendre, but a physical location. I guess so, yeah. Yeah, because it's a double temple. Mm-hmm. It's got two meanings. Two gods. Yeah. Back in my day, we only had a single entendre and we all had to share it. <laughs> <laughs> we had one meaning and we were happy with it. Mm-hmm. Polnareff has lost Iggy. He's walking through the temple and he very quickly just becomes aware of the fact that there's this man walking directly alongside him. Not even subtly. Yeah, he kind of walks almost like either an Egyptian or a samurai, one might even say. (laughs) Honorably and in a very manly fashion. Chaka is there. He's wrapped up the, um... The sword. The sword. Sorry, sorry. Egyptian katana. Yeah, he's wrapped it up in some bandages. Uh, But as I keep walking, it slowly slips. And we keep getting shots of flies landing on the hilt, then dying. I think it's because it's meant to be Anubis is the god of death. Yeah. So it's like, oh no, flies can't even live on him. But Chaka. Chaka, yeah. Because when they were all fooling around with trying to pull the sword out, you were speculating that maybe it's like a Thor's hammer sort of thing. Yeah, because I thought it's like, oh, does he have to be a bad enough dude to save the president? Yeah, sure. Does he have to be worthy to pull the sword from the stone? Mm. So it could be like an Excalibur kind of situation where the sheath is the stone. But I think what we've since learned is that... No. The, just... the living sword was just sort of looking for someone to do its bidding. Yeah. And didn't really like those guys. It was just kind of like, you guys are weak and measly. Chaka over here though. he's weak and measly and easy to manipulate. <laughs> he's a guy I think I can use. So they're, they're walking and Pornariff is like, huh, I didn't think that you'd attack me so boldly with so many people around. I respect you. And he's like, I'm Anubis. Ch- I'm Chaka. I have Anubis. I'm here to kill you. And Polnareff is like, wow, that's so direct. You're an honourable warrior. I respect you. And they keep walking. I just love the bit where he just says, man, you know, I wouldn't expect you to be so manly. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, what? In some of these shots, Polnareff looks more buff than usual. See, I only got the extreme amounts of shading that he oh, had. Oh, yeah. Gone, when he's he he like- talking in profile and we just had this weird, like, crosshatch neck shading. Yeah. Which kind of looks like he's got a bit of stubble going on, but it's actually just... No, it's just shading. Well, maybe he does have a bit of stubble going on. More on that later. Oh, okay then. Let's talk about Anubis quickly in our signature segment, Oh My God. Kicking things off, I've got the Jojo Vele commentary for Anubis. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) When I was drawing the Egypt Nine Glory God stands, I placed more importance on the story and tricks than the designs. For instance, you have people getting possessed and allies getting mind controlled. So hang on, he placed more on the stories and tricks than the designs? Yeah. Aren't they already designed, though? Because they're all the Egyptian gods? He's talking about the stands, though. Spoiler oh, alert, the Egyptian god Geb wasn't a claw made of water. What? Yeah, he was. What are you talking about? Geb. Old claw man. <laughs> old claw man. Uh, you know Dr. That- claw. Yeah, you know that one hieroglyph? He'll that's get like- you next time, Gadget. So there's that. There's that thing. Yeah. Yeah. In this episode alone, we see Anubis, the stand, which is a sword, Mm -hmm. or possibly inhabiting a sword. We don't know for sure yet. Yeah. There's like a lot of dark aura around the sword. That's true. Yeah. When Shaka pulled it, it was like um, pulsing with evil sex energy. (laughs) I think that's what um, the two best friends call it when things pulsate with energy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I shouldn't Mm -hmm. steal their intellectual property. And yet we're going to. You know, like evil, evil energy, just miasmating of it. There's a lot of miasma just gestating from yeah. this sortical. And then the guy looked close to it and was like, wow, this sword is really beautiful. <laughs> man, it's so rainbow esque and dumb." I'm really into man. all this evil energy pouring up. it. God, there's something so evil about it. As I was saying, in this episode, uh, Anubis, the sword, mm-hmm. is wielded by our man Chaka here. The Chuckster, as, yep, as Polarev calls him. <laughs> and later, uh, a man named Khan. Together, they form a reference to the uh, musician Chaka Khan. Huh, who's Chaka Khan? Well, I accidentally closed that Wikipedia page just now, so let me pull it up again. (laughs) But she's a a singer, I think she's done some some rap in her time. Ooh, exciting. A lady. It's always nice to get a lady. Isn't it, though? I'm so alone. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, This is why we started the podcast. (laughs) Chaka Khan, born Yvette Mary Stevens, is an American recording artist whose career has spanned five decades. Sh- what? five decades Yes yeah. she used to be the front woman for the band Rufus. What when would what when was she born? 1953. Jesus Christ five decades. How old are you? says Joseph. <laughs> She's been associated with acts including Rufus which he was the front person for uh-huh. Prince Win- Whitney Ooh. Houston, Stevie Wonder oh, Not them and Rick James. Rick James yeah, nice. Hits include. Tell Me Something Good, Ain't Nobody. Ooh, there's a good song. Stomp, Summertime, Funk This. Ooh, wait, she did Funk This? Funk This. Dude! Best R&B album. I know that! Nice. Cool, that's Chaka Khan. Chaka Khan. Now let's talk a bit about our friend Anubis. Anubis. Sure. What do you know about Anubis, Nicky boy? Uh, He's the god of the dead uh, and the graveyards and whatnot. He's, uh, He's got a jackal for a head. He's He's got a whole jackal for a head. He's got a whole jackal for a head. Feet and all. Um, What else do I know about it? He weighs up your soul when you're entering the underworld? Sure. Or the gates to the underworld or something. Um, He's a very judging guy. So judgmental, that Anubis guy. Oh, but he has to be, you know. You can't just let anyone into the underworld. Anubis, or Anpu, is the Greek name of a guy associated with mummification and the afterlife in ancient Egyptian religion. Ah, oh, a Greek name. Yeah. Usually depicted as a canine or a man with a canine head, archaeologists identified the sacred animal of Anubis as an Egyptian canid that at the time was called the Golden Jackal. But in recent genetic testing has caused the Egyptian animal to, re- to be reclassified as the African Golden Wolf. The African Golden Wolf. That sounds like some sort of legendary monster you would tranquilize in Metal Gear Solid 5. It really does. The African Golden Wolf. Yeah depicted as the protector of graves as early as the first dynasty Anubis was an embalmer by the middle kingdom he was replaced by Osiris in his role as lord of the underworld one of his prominent roles was as a god who ushered souls into the afterlife he attended the weighing scale during the weighing of the heart in which it was determined whether a soul would be allowed to enter the realm of the dead now I've got to ask what happens if you if it isn't what if you're failing to get into the realm of the dead yeah um, I'm pretty sure... Do you have... you go around for another lap, or...? No, no, I think you become part of the souls that gnaw away at you on the way there. Well, that sucks. Yeah. No, it's really not fun. So, <laughs> I'm... Oh, I'm pretty sure it was something crazy. Because the Egyptians are brutal like that. Where, if you don't make it in, then you suffer forever. Um, you're never allowed in. Great. Basically. <laughs> you know, just get good. I think is the general mentality. Despite being one of the most ancient and one of the most frequently depicted and mentioned gods in the Egyptian pantheon, Anubis played almost no role in Egyptian myths. Really? That's so it says. That can't be right. Surely, he somewhere, right somewhere he had to have done something. Almost no role, it says. Surely he was a big figure. Like, I know about Anubis, so he must have played like a big role in quite a few myths. Otherwise, I wouldn't know about him. not what it says here maybe my life has been a lie. Who knows? His major cult centre was Lycopolis and Sinopolis. His symbol was the Fetish and the Flail. His consort was Anput. Uh, his parents were Nephthys and Set or Osiris. Or Ra in the Old Kingdom. Wait, but didn't he give birth to Osiris? No, he was superseded by Osiris. Yeah. Right, okay, never mind. God! I was just, I was just thinking like, wait, Get it. so... His, his dad is... God. His... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Listen here, you African golden wolf. And that about That's brings nice. us to the end of uh, our Oh My God segment for this week. I'm loving it. <laughs> <laughs> They're walking through the ruins and they stop and they stare at each other and he's like, I'm Anubis. And is like, Great, I'm not impressed. <laughs> <laughs> just they like, You really? don't impress me much. Okay, so you're a stand user. So he's just like, Yeah, so what if you're a stand user? I'm gonna fight you with, with my sword, Anubis. And Polyref is like, Silver Chariot, get out of here. And Silver Chariot poses and strikes a sword thwippity-thwip position. Yep. And he's like, he's drawing that sword. Why isn't he calling out his stand to attack me? Hmm. Huh. This is weird. Yeah, and then they start to fight with swords. Yeah, he's got a very amateur technique. Yeah, this guy sucks. Man, i better keep Which my is distance. is interesting because it, it very much tells you that Anubis's power, in addition to the whole cutting stuff yeah. thing, is just to control people's minds and like not, doesn't actually impart sword skills on them. Because it told told Chaka that he was a really good swordsman. But he's not. But then fighting him was like, this guy sucks! Yeah, like literally like, oh, well, this guy is the worst swordsman I've ever seen. (laughs) Yeah, he's a complete amateur. Is this his stand? Is this his... (gasps) I'm not really sure what's going on right now. (laughs) So he's like, okay, better keep my distance. Yeah, Better stay back. He keeps his distance and he dodges behind a pillar. And then just like with the cow, the sword cuts through the pillar but doesn't cut it and, and... Gashes Polar Ref down the centre, and he's like, ugh, it's a good thing I was keeping my distance because that pillar wasn't cut and neither were my clothes, but I was. This is weird. Cut to ad break. Yeah. After ad break, are oh, we going to really loud ad for dates? Yeah, we got a really loud ad for dates. Crunching your oil, need to work on their ad mixing, evidently. Normalise your fucking audio. I don't want to invite that criticism upon us. <laughs> <laughs> if I was mixing it, everything would be normalised to negative three decibels. So whatever that means, you know. Don't pretend you don't know. I do know what it means. So after the rural yeah, dura, shut up. <laughs> um, Chaka disappears and runs really fast, and he goes behind one of the pillars. But which? And then we hear echoing laughter. Kek 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 kek. is like fuck this shit. I'm jumping on top of a pillar. He jumps on top of like a, a sort of semi broken pillar, and he's like, "Now I'll see you coming from everywhere." But he doesn't because. Chaka is like, what you didn't know about my sword, Polnareff, is that it can't just not cut pillars, but it can also cut pillars. <gasps> my God. And we see behind Polnareff, Chaka is riding down one of the enormous pillars that he's cut in half towards him with his sword drawn. And Polnareff's like, ye gads, no time to get out of the way, only time to solve this problem. <laughs> oh, no. So... In, he, he looks very stylish as he does this. Something mm. about him just sort of screamed elegance to me. Is it because he's totally calm in the moment? Yeah. Yeah. He's like, time to do my special technique. Remember how my stand could take off its armour and it, we would get really fast? Maybe I could do that to avoid this pillar. Mm. But no, I'm just going to do this instead. Oh. Rather than taking off his armour, he shoots off the tip of his sword such that it ricochets off a piece of the ruins... Okay. And bounces and hits. It's Chaka right in the neck. It's oh, pretty grisly looking. Like a crossbow. Yeah, sure. Like a bolt right through the neck. Chaka falls off the pillar. The pillar does not hit Palmareth. Don't know how Polnareff forged oh, it. I think we just... You know. I thought for a second that maybe we saw him slashing to block the pillar, but no, of course he's fired no. off his... Yeah, he fired off the... Well, he blocked yeah. the sword that was coming. There down, was a like, cool bit where they were having right. like a, a proper proper sword duel yeah. through yeah. a pillar. Yeah. Where all Polnareff could do was was block. Yeah. It was a tasty meatball. Yep. Eight out of ten Jojos. As Polnareff, a Frenchman would say, that's a spicy meatball. <laughs> uh... So he just slams sho- that shit the into his in the neck. neck. <laughs> he falls down. Uh, Polaroid was like, oh good, he's not dead. <laughs> he's <laughs> aptly, as we see Chaka lying on the floor, twitching, blood pooling around his neck. Ah, like, oh, well, he's not dead yet, he'll be raw. get him off. Yeah, not gonna give him any medical attention, he's got a big neck w- Avdol was fine with his big neck wound. Come on, you big wuss. Yeah, but it will be fine. Do you want some fucking coffee gum? <laughs> not even, Jotaro knows about that special move, because... If I do it and I miss, then I'm fucked because I only have one sword blade. Ooh. Limitations. Yeah. Will it ever show up again? Who knows? We'll find out in future on JoJo's World. And then he's like, huh, look at this sword. (laughs) (laughs) So he notices the sword that has been sheathed at this point? Yeah. He's like, how did it get back in its sheath? Maybe it just fell like that, but that seems unusual. It does seem very unusual. Better go pick it up. So he picks it up, he goes, hmm, hmm. let's take a look Let, at it. Let's draw this here sword. So he starts drawing it out. The sword, it's beautiful. Also, it's controlling my mind. Man, I should keep drawing it. But before he does, the gang show up. And they're like, Polariff, what are you doing with that sword? That could have been anywhere. Oh, hey guys, and he puts the sword down next to him. Iggy is there, he's barking at the sword for the entirety of... The rest of the episode. Yeah, basically his appearance in the rest of the episode. Yep, uh... And they just go, hey man, are you okay? Did no, no out? one acknowledges it for now either. Like, huh, Polnareff's found this Egyptian katana. Iggy hates it for some reason. That's pretty normal, right? The way that I saw it was, I thought that Iggy was just barking at Polnareff. Because he hates him. Yeah. And I was just like, oh, that seems pretty normal for Iggy, doesn't it? Mm. Yeah. But he's like growling. If, if he was a more detailed drawing, his hackles would be up. <laughs> if he was a more detailed drawing. Yeah. Oh, if only we could say that about all of our friends. <laughs> so Polaref is like, okay, let's go. Oh, let me just get that sword that I have. Oh, all these mice are stealing it. Get back here, you <laughs> stupid there are, mice. There are like five mice that all have the sword on their backs together and are running off with it. The thing is, when you first say it, you don't see the mice. Yeah. So you just think... Ah, the ghost sword is getting away. I think that would make a more sense than the mice stealing <laughs> but it. But it looks so ridiculous. Like, it's, it's just like, is, is Anubis controlling the mice then? Or are they just mice that live in this, these ruins and steal swords? I mean, either way, it still fits in with Jojo's, doesn't <laughs> yeah, it? but it's just... I don't know which one makes less sense. Because <laughs> Anubis wants to be there. Because it wants to kill him. Yes, but... But also, mice don't steal swords. <laughs> You don't know that. I guess dogs don't chew coffee gum. Now, let's see, the mere fact that we're debating this... It's just so weird and it comes out of nowhere and goes nowhere. <laughs> it's like literally, hey, these mice are taking it. Shoo, you damn mice. Well, that's the problem solved. Anyway, let's get on that boat. <laughs> Maybe this a sign that happened to Araki in that double temple. Maybe he was just there taking a photo being like, <gasps> My katana! <laughs> <laughs> this katana I brought from Japan. This katana I bought in these Egyptian markets. Hey, boy, do you want to buy some papyrus? Yeah, sure. The- hey, where's the papyrus going? The mice are stealing it. <laughs> Maybe this is all based off one giant anecdote that he has. They, they get on the boat. There's a funny shot. There's a very cute shot of Avdol holding Iggy, like, so that he's upright and his paws are going over Abdul's arm. It's quite funny because he's he in looks, the background. He looks so dumb. He just looks so placid, which it's is unusual like, for him. He's just there like, eh, yeah. I guess Abdul did capture him that time. Did he? Iggy was tearing up the the New York streets. Not even the dog catches oh, him. Yeah. Then Avdol caught him with his magic. True. So Maybe maybe he has a grudging respect for Avdol or something. <laughs> maybe he's just going, Or maybe yeah, fine, he just awesome. gave him some gum. Yeah, maybe that was it. Maybe he was just having some gum and then being like, hey, I want that gum. Give me that gum. He's like, yeah. sure. So they're there on this boat and nothing really happens there. Right. I mean, they exchanged some words. Yeah. Um, Not really important words per se, but words nonetheless. That's about it. Oh, and Joseph doubles down on being paranoid and he's like, okay, from now on, since Polnareff was attacked when he went off alone, we always have to go everywhere in pairs. No, didn't he say that back in the temple? Oh, yeah. Yeah, so, he was just like, yeah. Polnareff, you dumb fuck. <laughs> Don't go off alone. If you go off alone, you die. Yeah. So they're in their new hotel room on the other side of the river. Hmm. Or down the river or whatever. Somewhere along the river. Somewhere closer to Dio. <laughs> Less than 800 kilometres away. Yeah. They're in this hotel room and Polnareff's like, huh. That's right. I've got this sword. <laughs> Iggy hates it. Hmm. Because Iggy's just in the hotel room barking at the sword. And they're like, shut him up. He's going to get us kicked out. Fine. I'll go hand in the sword to the police. I'll go do it now alone. And they're like, Ponal Ref, no, we just told you. We literally told you like five minutes ago, and you've already forgotten. Yeah. Joe, do I go with him? All right. Make sure he's not an idiot. Okay. We're going to go straight to the police station and hand in this sword because it's dangerous. So we cut to a hairdresser. Yeah. Polnareff's getting a shave and a haircut. Jotaro is reading a magazine where we can only see the first word of the article he's reading, which is just sea, like the ocean sea. <laughs> it's his favourite colour. Trans- the, the sea? Yeah. I mean, they call it, it's kind of blue. But you can see through the ocean, can't you? Maybe you can. Ooh. With your special eyes. I see through the ocean's tricks. <laughs> 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 through the facade of Neptune. Which is my favourite of the uh, Egyptian gods. (laughs) 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 So he's he's having this haircut. Joder was just there reading silently the whole time, basically. He's just like, hey, shouldn't we take that sword to the uh, police station or something? Like, isn't that a thing we should be doing right now? He's he's talking about how, like, oh, I got so covered in mud and dust when I was fighting that guy. I need to just freshen up, you know. Yare, yare, etc. What is the... the, gosh, the the man who we... We learnt he's called Khan, the barber. He said yeah. something really stupid. What was it? Like, a man has to look his best, you yeah, know. Yeah, literally, a man has to look his best at all times. You've already made the sale, Khan. Chill out. <laughs> no, no, he hasn't uh, cut Jotaro's hair. That's true. So he's just going to be like... Or cut up his hat at least. Oh my god, I got a real good like look at the hat this time. What is even going on with that? <laughs> Don't think about it. Don't look at it. <laughs> it just melds into the hair. Like, there is no end point Polnareff starts yelling at Khan because his, the razor wasn't sharp enough. He's like... Oh, and, he's, and then he's like, oh, by the way, you see this sword that I have next to the barber chair? Can you put that somewhere for me, please? And he's like, sure. I can take care of that. No worries. And then, uh, you know, uh, he, he gets the strap out, the strump. Mm. The strop? Is that what they call it? The uh, thing that you sharpen a razor on? I don't know. All I know is that they do that weird thing. Shook, shook, yeah. It's like a, it's a leather thing that you... I don't know how that's meant to sharpen the I, I used to know how, but I, it's been been a while since I realised I never wanted to get involved with straight razors. Why? It's scary. They seem so cool, though. You know, a standard four blade is good enough for me. Alright, okay. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> this could be an entire podcast dedicated to, so what shaving method did you use today? I used a badger hair brush to apply my shaving cream. Oh, well, well, well. And what did you do after that? Then I cut out my razor, sent to me by the Dollar Shave Club. And what'd you do after that? I applied it to my face over and over again. what did you do after that? Then I washed the, uh, the blade. You washed it? Aww. You gotta wash the hair off or you'll cut yourself. Oh, I guess you're right. Yeah, it's not as... Then I did that again. uh uh-huh. Then I did it again. <laughs> then I did it again. How many times? Oh no man A hundred. Oh god Then I sopped up all the blood <laughs> <laughs> So I basically found the places where I had cut myself Yep And I stopped myself from being cut there mm-hmm. By repairing the skin With tissues With magic <laughs> With ham on With ham, <laughs> ham on So <laughs> So he's getting his shave on He's like nice nice Trebian T-R-E-S B-I-A-N Time passes Jotaro falls asleep I think he's snoozing, yeah. I think. Uh, Polnareff has a, a warm towel resting over his face. As the French are uh, want to th- do. Th- you know, a good barber will do that for you, and it's very nice. Do they? Yeah. Oh, I always thought they would just shave and then be like, all right, on your way. Well, you know, the place I get my haircut does that too. Oh, damn. They also do shaves, but I don't do that. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, so neither of them can see. Oh. And Khan comes back with the sharpened razor, and he's... Like, Polnareff's loving it. He's like, can you get under my chin too, please? Sure. And, you know, ominous music is building this whole time as we watch him. Being shaved is, I feel like, one of the most vulnerable things a man can do. Mm. Regularly. Or well, with a straight is, razor. is allow another man to shave you. A man you've never met. A man you've never met. Yeah. Who is holding a very sharp blade. To your neck. To your neck. Yeah. 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 There's a, there's a lot of trust in that relationship, I think. Or a lot of laziness, depending on how you, uh, you know, frame it. Yeah. And he's like, can you go under my chin too? And he's like, sure, take a look. And Polnareff takes off the, uh, the warm towel on his face and he's holding the katana to his neck. <gasps> the Egyptian katana? Anubis. Huh? Just right under the chin, right, Polnareff? To be continued. It's some Junji Ito shit. How so? Did you see his eyes? No. They were terrifying. They're like slightly bulging out of his head. I guess being possessed by a sword will do that. Yeah. Like, you know, um, the Guinness World Records people who are like, furthest distance, your eyes can pop out of your socket. Oh no, I don't need that. Yeah, no, it's like that. But like, just this guy is normally like- gonna haunt me. His excited thing being like, well, hey there, how you going? You're like, oh God. There's another pretty obvious like horror trope in this- Arc 2. with oh, I don't know. The Haunted Swords. Yeah, Haunted Swords. Yeah. Possession in general. Yeah. Mind manipulation. Sure. Yeah. Anything to do with taking over someone's uh, bodily interactions with the world. That came out exactly... Yeah, sure. To- okay. Possession. <laughs> so, Nick, what are you, what were your uh, highlights for this episode? Hmm. Highlights, huh? I do quite like the idea of Anubis. Cursed sword. Yeah. So that, that fight in the temple was quite good. That was pretty rad. Yeah. The bit where... How um, will they top it in part two? We'll get to that momentarily. Ooh. Um, So like the bit where Polnareff is kind of like blocking... Having a sword in, fight. Yeah, having a sword fight in front of a pillar mm-hmm. while a sword is just coming out of the pillar. I was like, dude, fuck yeah. Rad. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's probably my highlight. That's a good highlight. Um, For my highlight... I'm going to go with the, um, his dumb sword shooting. Oh, the one that Jodoro <laughs> doesn't even know about. Yeah, his special technique where he shoots his sword like... He should have just shot whole horse when he made him. <laughs> Yeah, just been like... Hey, the horse. gun is mightier than the sword. Oh, yeah? piao. <laughs> 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 How fast can that sword travel, do you reckon? Pretty fast, over it. I bet it doesn't Faster. lose its strength over distance like whole horse's gun does. Faster than a bullet, Maybe. Because I'm just thinking, if Whole Horse could draw out the gun. But of course, he wouldn't have done that because. Then he'd be, he'd be defenseless if he missed. Yeah, and centerfolds are And would also, uh, yeah, centerfolds are out about too. Mmm. Mm, these are true facts. But it would have been funny. Oh, man, that would have been great, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Low light? Do I kind of say it? I want to say it's the to be continued sign because you felt that everything, including the Iggy bits, were your favourite part of the episode, especially the Iggy bits. You know, I like Yugi as a character. I don't want to. I don't want to come across too negatively. I just don't enjoy like comedic farting. You gotta get past that hurdle. You just gotta push through. I like him when he's doing other things. I like it when he swiped that gum from Polnareff. I liked when he was just chewing and all those babes were fawning over him. But you just can't get with the uh, the farting. No. I liked it when he leapt onto Polnareff's face in that really lazy manner. Gonna pull some uh, some Abdol judgment here with the tisk tisk. Which we didn't get of in this episode. (laughs) I can't remember if he ever does it again, to be honest. (laughs) The meme is dead. That's it. Look, I tried to make myself new and cool when I came back, and then I got a huge neck wound, so what's the point? I just want to say Milo, light is just cacquing being in hospital. For a few days. Yeah, he's just kind of there. We don't really see much of... Bandages over his eyes. Yeah, I would have thought that the standard had something to do with that moment of weakness where you're in a hospital... Nope. No. Eyes. No time for that. Yeah. All right. They got to leave him behind. They can't afford to wait for him to get better. This is why, like, they keep getting like past all these stand users is because they're all in hospitals and they go, well, he's in hospital. Well, we'll get to him later. We don't have to kill him right now. <laughs> yeah. He'll get better eventually. Dio needs a good HR manager. Yeah. Pretty much. Uh. Yeah. Nick. Hmm. What do you think is going to happen next time on Jojo's Bizarre Adventure? I know what you're going to say next. Part 3. Stardust Crusaders. Season 2. Battle in Egypt. You got it. Yes. In the episode entitled Anubis Part 2. I wasn't going to get that bit. For sure. Well. He's got that sword to his neck. He's got the sword to his neck. JoJo's there. He might be asleep. Hmm. Now I thought the direction this was going to go was Polnareff uh, gets the sword. Mm -hmm. As we both saw. Yep. And then yeah, There was a moment where it sort of got in his head and then yeah. they snapped him out of it when they came back. Yeah, so I thought the direction it was going to go was he kept getting more and more involved with the sword. And I keep bringing up Junji Ito, but it's kind of like that Enigma of Armagara Fault kind of thing where it's like... This is my sword. It's made for me. I, I need this sword, you know? Uh, so he just kept getting drawn more and more towards the sword and then eventually try and use Kill them it. with it? Yeah. And so then they like smack it out of his hand and be like, Bad Polnareff! <laughs> Don't use the sword, you idiot. Yeah. But that's not what happened at all. No. Yeah, in fact, it's quite the opposite that happened, where he didn't even get the sword. Yet, question mark? Ooh. So maybe, maybe he gets the sword, and it tries to get into his head, but Polnareff is now maybe he goes mature he Maybe he goes into his own mind space with Silver Chariot and fights... Ooh. Like the Anubis projection we've seen a couple of times there, Ooh, I like and Anubis that. is holding like a projection, a mental projection of the sword, and it's like it's like an episode of Doctor Who where he gets half turned into a Cyberman, and he's like, I have to fight myself in my mind with chess. Sure, I mean that sounds dope. Do you think that'll happen? No. Okay. Um, <laughs> not to bring it down, but no. Uh, no, I reckon what's more likely is that they will. Like, they'll give it up and be like, well, we can't take it to the police station now because. So they'll kill the barber? Uh, I don't know about kill the barber. Probably just, like, smack it out of the disarm hand. Disarm him. Yeah, disarm him and go, hmm, well, that's seems With so sword. Cool. <laughs> yeah, so then maybe. We... Maybe Polnareff takes it, and then Joe is all like, you know, I can just punch you in the face, right? Like, Arm is not going to help you from getting knocked out, bro. Oh, you're saying uh, he takes it and gets possessed? Yeah. And then it has control of a man who knows how to use a sword. Oh, shit! But then Joseph, not Joseph, uh, Jotaro will just be like, yeah, yeah, I'm just going to punch you in the face. So then we'll just punch him in the face. And then he's like, mm-hmm. well, what do we do with the sword now? Which is the real question on my mind. What the, I mean, they could bury it. They could bury <laughs> the sword. Like That's one way to stop a sword. That's what they used to do with katanas. <laughs> ig- Sorry, just, Egyptian katanas. Just get Iggy to take it out to the desert sands. I mean, Iggy probably wouldn't get possessed by the sword, would he? I mean, those, those rats might have. Ooh, that's a good point. They were five mice. <laughs> would have just killed him like those flies. Hmm. Anything non-sentient just dies. That's kind of rude to Iggy. I mean, he hasn't proved his sentience, man. He has a stand. Yeah, but the stand apparently can be brought up by a fucking orangutan. I mean, the orangutan had a lot going on for him. He could sell Rubik's <laughs> Cubes. He wore clothes. Or was he sentient? He lusted after humans. What is sentience? <laughs> anyway, um, yeah. Maybe he'll... Not the orangutan. Uh, maybe the the sword. Maybe the sword will get buried. Um, and we'll just hear like, you know, Anubis kind of calling out towards Polnareff and then it'll slowly fade into like, the distance. So you think Anubis is the sword? Or it's not like someone? Oh, Anubis has to be the someone sword. putting their stand in a sword and laying a trap or... No, Anubis has to be the sword. Okay. This could be like the first item that is a stand. Now that's the second item that's a stand? Don't think so. Now that raises an interesting point because we saw nine people leaving Dio's house. Now, was one of those people a sword? Huh. That is a good point. So are you saying that Anubis could actually be just like a mind-controlling motherfucker? I'm not saying anything. I'm just asking questions. It could have been that that someone was holding the sword and being possessed by Anubis and walked into the house. Prediction the second. So it's a guy who's just mind-melding people, and it just so happens that he's watching this guy hold this sword. And that's his sword. He's taking a gamble because now he's defenseless. Yeah, You see? It all comes back full circle to... Then how does the cutting work? What do you mean the cutting? The, cut, the special cutting through objects powers. Maybe he can still have some influence over the sword. So the sword is a stand still? The sword is kind of like a manifestation of his stand. Right. It's his star platinum. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. Where it's like if Silver Chariot can shoot a blade out. This blade can exist. Or he put it into a regular sword and then strength or wheel of fortune style it turned into a magical sword that could your mind. Yeah, so maybe it'll be like one of those things where the dark energy would fade away and it would turn into a normal sword. Oh, it's just a normal katana. (laughs) Man, I wondered why this was in Egypt. Wait, of course it's in Egypt. It's an Egyptian katana. Oh. Makes perfect sense. And then they'll bury it and then to be continued. Yeah, they'll... Well, I mean, if the sword is... Not the stand. And they'll still have to find the stand user, won't they? True. And they'll bury him and to be continued. Yeah, they'll bury something or someone, guaranteed, to be continued. That more or less brings us to the end of our episode, I think. Oh, okay. do you know, patronise me, Nick Ballantyne. Oh. <laughs> if you like the show, we'd appreciate it if you could uh, rate and review us on iTunes, or just tell a friend. Our theme music is uh, Jojo Wave by Milk Juice, a.k.a. Nick Ballantyne, available on milkjuice.bandcamp.com slash Jojo Wave probably there it is yep something like that we'll probably have a link somewhere maybe there. yeah I hope so somewhere that is of course M-I-L-K-J-O-O-C-E because juice spelled normally was no- taken <laughs> <laughs> until next time to, to be continued Yeah.